Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean library, a den, an outdoor lanai, and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in, and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson, at greenviewconstruction.com, or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter. Just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is not our, this is not another victorious edition. This is actually a losing edition as they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday. But I'm afraid of our tag. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. 
And as always, this is brought to you. This podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN and you get 20% off your entire order. Of course, Better Edge. Go to Better Edge. Use Better Edge slash five reasons. You get $25 as a sign up bonus. And of course, Prize Picks. Prize Picks. Use the promo code 5FIBE and you get a $100 matchup bonus, which means you deposit $100, they give you $100, and you only have to roll it over once. So it's not like one of these ridiculous rollovers where you have to bet it like 5,000 times to get your 100 bucks back. So in essence, they're giving you $100 just to sign up. Go and do it. Promo code F-I-V-E. All right. They lost on Thursday. I'll start with you, Simon. Uh, your thoughts on that game. And then we're going to talk about, you know, in the first half of the show, we're going to talk about, you know, the ins and outs of that game. Tyreek Hill as advertised. Jason Sanders, not. But. What did you think of that game overall, Simon? Um, I thought it was a game Miami should have won generally. I thought the defense played very well. I thought they looked tired. I thought if Tua stays on the field, he probably they probably win. Um, it was frustrating to make such a great throw to Mike Kosicki early on that second drive and then make a really bad throw that was intercepted by Von Bell. Um, I thought that the defense battled really hard. Uh, generally, I just thought, though, after the injury, I thought there was a sort of a pool of kind of um, an atmosphere over the stadium, over the game that, you know, didn't really disappear. It felt weird to be watching football after what happened. Um, and I think it really did affect the players. It certainly, I think it affected McDaniel. I thought some of his decision-making was a little bit questionable um, on the field in terms of a couple of opportunities where I thought he would have gone for it and didn't. Um, so, yeah, I am. Um, I thought it was a strange game, but I don't think Miami loses it if Tua stays healthy. Um, you know, you look at the, you know, the block field goal, the missed extra point, the the Chase Edmonds, absolute Edward Scissorhands on the opening drive. I mean, it's a very different game if if that happens. And, and realistically, we're driving down to win the game at, at, the, at the end there. Mm -hmm. Bridgewater makes a terrible throw. I know there's under three minutes, just under three minutes to go, or 3.13 to go on the clock when he throws the ball. Um, but I think you could realistically make an argument that the Dolphins, you know, would take that down under a minute and a half, two minutes, um, and hopefully score a touchdown to win the game. And then you're expecting the Bengals to drive back and, and score a touchdown, which I'm not sold was going to happen. So uh, I think you know, I did think Miami would lose. I felt like it was probably just a game too far, given everything that happened, both emotionally, physically, heat-wise, et cetera, et cetera, from from Sunday. But um, but yeah, it was a you know, I thought we'd be one and three coming out out of the first month of games, and we're three and one. So an awful lot of positives to take from it. Um, but some questions, some big questions coming up over the next few weeks, I think. Yeah, and they are in first place in, in the AFC. They have tiebreakers over everybody as of right now. It's only been a quarter of the season, but if you had to draw up a good quarter of the season and you had to pick out one game for them to lose, you would pick the Cincinnati game for them to lose, and you would take the other three wins. So, yeah, this is as good as – the only way it could have gone better is gone four now, obviously. Other than that, you know, you got to be happy with the, the first four games. Chris, uh, you watched this game. What did you think? Well, I was, uh, I was on a boat, so, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't get to watch much of it, uh, as much of it live as I would want, would have wanted to, um, but, uh, captain over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um yeah so i was uh we were we we're in the uh caribbean dodging hurricanes really that's and, and just going wherever it was uh sunny um I would say that watching the game, it is a little bit disappointing, actually, that um, to come away with the the loss, because um, I did feel in many respects there was a there was a winning effort out on the field um, defensively uh, and also from a game plan standpoint. Um, I thought what they were doing to uh, to the to the Bengals offense on defense on Miami's defense, I should say, um, was was actually pretty interesting and uh and it's too bad they they couldn't play as as well um you know a, a full offense special teams defense you know a full team football to uh to back up the defense uh there were a few mistakes and we're we need to talk about where Xavier Howard really is right now um and that's that's one thing um but yeah, it's it's disappointing to not come away with the victory from that game because yeah, three and one is nice, but this this is a time of, we're entering a period of the season where we really need to run up the score, um, and uh, and and we had one, you know, I felt like we had one, and we we talked about this last year, right? Um, last year there were some games around this time of the year where you know we could have had them could have should have you know had them and and it, it ended up mattering you know and so i think that um it, that is that is my disappointment you know we're talking about i'm talking about week three like last year the, the raiders game I mean, we could have had that right um the way we this one felt a little bit more like the week four colts game last year we also could have had that you know that was that was within our grasp um and those losses ended up mattering. So hopefully that's not the case here. Um, but overall, you know, I, I just, I love this offense. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love, I love the play design. I love the attention to detail. Um, I, I like the play calling. I mean, I know we're, we're always going to come up with some, you know, special situations where we, where we think the guy should have gone forward and, and didn't or, or the reverse. Um but uh, but I, I just think the attention to detail in this offense and one of the things offensively that I take from it, you know, from on the review, the all 22 review is just um, it's interesting that that the offense has this ability to execute and um, and get up the field and score points, uh, considering they're still they're still fucking up out there. I mean, forgive my language. They're still they're still messing up out there a lot. Um, and I, I don't get the feeling that the way of this offense, how they teach everything, how they teach these guys to run their, their routes and how they teach them to make their adjustments and blocking adjustments, uh, quarterback adjustments to hot reads and, um, and scramble drills and stuff like that. I, I don't think all of that has really settled in, um, yet. And yet. So tell you what else hasn't settled in your microphone, buddy. The microphone is fine. No, right. you're cutting in and out worse than than 
<laughs> then now Simon just demonstrated. It sounds it's, like Lucy. It sounds like Lucy's stuck a cable up your ass, and you've just been electric shocked. You're like, shall you call me back? You could call back, and I and I could go on with my thoughts if you want. Okay, we could do that. This is a top level show, okay? Like, we got sponsors. Yeah, this, is, this is clearly one of our best. You would not yeah. believe we were the biggest podcast in the Miami Dolphins. World. You guys want to laugh? Yeah, I just noticed this is our officially our 300th podcast. Wow. Wow. Fucking hell, 300. So- so we're we marketing we, people, Alf. We need we need to market this kind of thing. Our 300th episode, really? Yeah, it is our 300. Yeah, but technically, we've done so many, uh, you know, like emergency podcasts in between that it's not really 300. It's more like you know, like 330 or something like that. Yeah, well, you know, so it's it's a fake 300. So I guess we'll celebrate 500. All right? How, how how's that? <laughs> okay. We should celebrate. We should celebrate our 300. Uh, by getting me a new microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris, go away and then come back. Go uh, away, go away. As as I give my as I give my thoughts on this game. Um, all right, I'm I'm gonna leave you all now. I'm gonna I'm you know what? Fuck you all. I'm going back on a boat. <laughs> yeah, go away and then come back. All right, how's that? There he is there. And Chris Kaufman is gone as he's being invited right back into the room. We'll see when he comes back. If his microphone is in order watching this game, Simon, uh, I was actually surprised by the effort. And here's Chris Kaufman. Like this, like this is fast. Like this is the fastest he's ever joined. Chris, you're back this fast. That was fast. Yeah, that was fast. Look, and now you sound better. You I see? sound better. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, awesome. it's always the internet here. I don't and know I'm why. keeping all of this on the show, by the way, because this is some of Simon's best stuff. Okay. I didn't know that Simon could, could speak underwater. Yeah. It's a high bar, buddy. Yeah. This is what it is. All right. But I'll give my thoughts on this game, and, and I'm pretty sure we can move, off, move on from it and get to what everybody wants to talk about. But yeah, I was actually surprised by the effort. Uh, when it was 7 nothing, I was like, okay, uh, we're getting our doors blown off here in Cincinnati. And I don't know if you listened to our last podcast. I doubt that you did as you were like gallivanting about the, the, the Caribbean, Chris. But both of us picked against the Dolphins on the last podcast. We both picked the Bengals to win by a field goal. And I looked at it and I said, you know what? This is not going to be good. This, they might get their doors blown off. And I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. I expected a fight. Then we got a fight. And damn it, Chase Edmonds had to drop that one in the end zone. Had yeah. he caught that, that drive was a thing of beauty. I don't know if you remember it, but it was bing, bang, 15 yards, 18 yards, 22 yards, six yards, and that would have been a touchdown. That, as as impressive as you can be. But when you boil it down, yes, Tua got hurt. I think if he doesn't get hurt, they probably have a shot at the end. They were driving to win the game down five points, and they wouldn't have been down five points if – Jason Sanders doesn't miss an extra point, doesn't get a field goal blocked. I don't know who's who's to blame, but this is not something that we can have in these close games. And I think I think it 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 wrecked havoc with the way Mike McDaniel was managing the game. And I also felt after Teddy Bridgewater hit that that bomb 
to Tyreek Hill. And we stall down there and they don't go for it on fourth down. I felt like the team had like kind of a letdown. Like they didn't even want the 15 to 14 point lead. You know what I mean? Like now you have a one point lead. You're up 15, 14. Yay. Celebrate. You looked at the team and the team kind of looked like disappointed. Like we did all of that. And all we got is a one point lead. You know, I thought Mike McDaniel coached a little bit out of character. He coached as if. Okay, I don't have my quarterback. I got to be less than now. I can't be as aggressive. And I think that has to change. I don't know what you thought, Simon, about the way that Mike McDaniel handled this game. But I felt he got extremely conservative as soon as Tua left the game. Your yeah, thought? and I, I i mean, I said it earlier on. I, I, I thought exactly that. I thought that he was probably affected by what happened. Uh, and I think it was clear on the day after when his press conference happened that he was affected. You saw how emotional he got. There was a couple of decisions I just didn't necessarily agree with in terms of, you know, either punting or, or I think we punted at about the 42 and a fourth and one. And I just thought that's not really the Mike McDaniel I've come to know and, and love very much. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of didn't agree with any of that. Yeah. Chris, your thoughts on the way the game was managed? Because I thought it was just, you know, the game was lost on the edges in my opinion, but your opinion on the way Mike McDaniel handled this, this game as soon as Tua left. Well, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. I probably didn't go on the uh, preview episode because I probably would have been the one among us that, uh, that would have picked the dolphins to win and I'd have been wrong. Um, and I think that uh, I, I knew you always knew that this was going to be a scheduled loss in, in some ways. Um, everybody talked about ad nauseum, you know, the road game, short week, all that all that stuff, but um, I at, sort of in the moment in the last, you know, coming off of the Buffalo game, I, I thought that momentum can overcome a lot of things. And I didn't really like, I don't really like where the Bengals are at right now. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm like, I'm pretty, you know, overall disappointed. In, uh, and I don't like that. I think they did that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh no! Did, have, have I gone underwater again? No. It's no, not no, no. A... <laughs> I thought the um, the Bengals played to uh, to to where they are this in this quarter of the season, really, which is not in a great place. And I thought that Miami was kind of riding some momentum, and I thought that they could overcome it in a close in a close game. Um, and I think, you know, what you guys say is, is probably also what I ultimately think, which is that if Tua had stayed in the game, then maybe that's exactly what, have ha- what would have happened is, is, you know, momentum would have carried them to a tight victory in this sk- otherwise scheduled loss. Um, but uh, yeah, his management game management was tight, but I actually felt that that was appropriate. Um, because everybody was so, I mean, everybody on the team had to be so exhausted and tired from what happened the week before, um, in the Buffalo game. And this is the short week and traveling and stuff like that. I think that there's a fear of, of execution, um, in this, uh, in this game. And, And you saw it in like, you know, kind of. I don't, know, I don't know if I want to say uncharacteristic things, but you, you're talking about the drop in the end zone with Chase Edmonds. You're talking about a blocked field goal. You're talking about, you know, um, 
or missed field goal, you know, Jason Sanders and, and things like that. I think, I think that there were missed executions in sort of some basic ways out there on the field. And, um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if, if Mike McDaniel was just going to coach this game a little bit conservatively or manage it tightly, no matter what. Um, I'm not sure if that changed because of the Tua thing. I wouldn't blame him if it did. Uh, certainly you got your, your backup quarterback out there. And also you have to be emotionally rocked from that. But I, I thought that it, it seemed, it felt appropriate to me to manage, to manage this game tightly. Um, but overall, you know, I think that, uh, that, you know, mistakes and, and an injury really, really just kind of, uh, decided the day. And, um, and so that's what it was. All right. And we're going to go to break now, but before we go to a break, I'm going to read a few things that, uh, Katie roof who writes for Bloomberg. All right. Bloomberg business. She had a, a tweet uh, thread where she talks about Liquid Death, our sponsor, for about a month now. And she starts her, her tweet thread by saying, Liquid Death is now valued at $700 million for its water in a beer can concept. And then she keeps on writing, Santa Monica-based Santa Monica Liquid Death has grown quickly since launching three years ago on track for $130 million in revenue this year, the company says. Goals to IPO within two years. And then this is the part that interests you, Simon. Liquid Death is expanding to Europe and also adding more flavored drinks to its brand of non-alcoholic beverages. I think we're kind of responsible for this. I don't know about you guys. Almost certainly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm just glad that they gave us all those stock options. <laughs> yeah, like this is our doing. It has to be our doing. Like, you know, this. I, I wasn't reading this three weeks ago. I'm reading it now. So now, a word from Liquid Death. This show is brought to you by Liquid Death. Have you ever been to the grocery store and seen these tall boy cans that look like beer called Liquid Death? Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, available in still, sparkling, and three different flavors. Those three flavors? Check these names out. Severed Lime, Mango Chainsaw, Bury It Alive. Liquid Death murders your thirst, and the infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help fight and kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market, or Whole Foods Market, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. Write that out, T-H-R-E-E. That's liquiddeath.com slash three. Go get Liquid Death. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. And use the hashtag MurderYourThirst and hashtag DeathToPlastic. And we're back. And yeah, we'll come to that part of the, of the show where we're going to talk about what everybody wants to talk about. Reed Sinet, back on the team. Your thoughts, Simon? Amazing. I mean, penciless into the Super Bowl, I'd say, with... Uh with the Reedmeister back at the helm. I mean, the fact that he's only on the practice squad seems to me an absolute disgrace. I'd put him straight in against uh, against the Jets. And I think, you know, I think if you were to dig up Bill Walsh, Bill Walsh would have said exactly the same thing. I mean, 
realistically, I think it's a mistake on the coaching staff and um, and on Chris Greer, because if anybody remembers what uh, the Sinmeister did at the end of uh, the Bengals game in the preseason on that fourth and 15, where he scrambled around like Patrick Mahomes and then threw it down the field for the game-winning touchdown. I mean, if he'd been playing against the Bengals, I think we all know what would have happened if he'd come off the bench instead of Teddy Bridgewater. So, um, so yeah, I mean, what's not to love about re-signing Reed? Yeah, yeah. Like I said he earlier... He was available. He yeah. was available. Yeah, he like I said earlier on, on Twitter, the Dolphins right now, I'll do respect, you know, to Josh Allen. He's the best in the division. But the Dolphins right now have the second, third, fourth, and fifth best quarterback in the division. Well, I'll do respect to Bailey Zappi or whatever the hell you, you however the hell you pronounce his last name. Zappi. Yeah. Well, Simon, uh, it's been something down here. I don't know if it, I don't know if it got to, to to your side of the pond, but Jesus Christ, ESPN, Fox, you, uh, everybody, uh, you name it, name the outlet, the New York Post. What well, wasn't there one guy who who was the guy? I don't want to even mention his his outfit, but uh, Chris, there was one guy asking. Uh, to a of our Lord to retire. What, what was his name? Chase Goodbread at NFL.com. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that guy. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's at NFL.com anymore, is he? I think you. Oh, was, did he? Did he get I think uh, he was writing for a Tuscaloosa paper. Um, oh, this, was he? This, this particular uh, instance. But yeah. But yeah, what have you made about this, this, uh, this immediate shitstorm for going on three days, four days right now? So, um, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think you'd be foolish to be surprised by it because it is a massive story. I mean, I don't think, and I don't know what our plans are for the second half of the show. I don't think there is any point in us adding to that conjecture, which is what it is. Uh, we all have slightly differing opinions. We're all not going to agree. Um, and... So we're just going to go, we're just going to do what everybody is doing, which is essentially just go round and round in circles. Um, I think that um, nobody knows the facts. Nobody knows what happened apart from one or two people, or three or four people, and that will come out in due course. Um, and until everybody does know the facts, then all it is is a complete, um, uh, it, it's just conjecture it's just talk it's just stuff in the ether the thing i do think um that will come out of this is that um uh i think miami we need to be prepared as a fan base that miami is ultimately going to lose the pr war um regardless of what happens regardless of if the nfl and the nflpa and the dolphins come out and say that yep Tua didn't suffer a concussion. The protocol was actually followed really well. The reason the NFLPA, well, the the NFLPA sacked the uh, the UNC was because he had an argument with uh, with his superior, um, and we've proven that Tua had a back injury, and it was nothing to do with the concussion, and it was nothing relative to what happened in Cincinnati on Thursday. You know full well, and I know full well that I mean I've got friends who are intelligent, thoughtful well connected to the sport who um who who will completely not believe what happens because they they believe uh, and my opinion is irrelevant but there are people and lots of them who will you know if that adjudication comes down will say that's not true that they've just fudged it they're lying they're 
So I think we, you know, as a fan base, I think, and, and there's lots of people going, oh, well, you know, it's it's because Miami have won three games and everybody wants to knock that. I, look, I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe it for a single second. You know, Tua is one of the most high profile players to come into the league for many years. He's one of the great college players of a generation. Uh, you can't do what he did, certainly in that season and a half uh, of time that he played, and, and not be. Um, there is an entire conversation around his career at Bama, what he did, the national championship. You know, you go back and think about it in isolation and what he did in that national championship game where he came off the bench, replacing Jalen Hurts, you know, who's a kind of legit MVP candidate now in the NFL, threw that game winning touchdown to Devonta Smith in overtime, one playoff being sacked. You know, then he goes on to have the tremendous season, the injury, the draft, going to the Dolphins, the sort of the up and down first couple of years, all of that stuff. So I don't think it matters if it had been Justin Herbert, if it had been Joe Burrow, if it had been Kyler Murray, whoever, I think the same thing would have happened. But ultimately, and regardless of mine or yours or, or Chris's opinion on on the nuance of what happened on the Sunday and on the Thursday, because I don't think we're, we're just going to add to the same mix. We're just going to complicate things further. We're just going to say a load of stuff that we don't really know because no, we don't know the facts because we weren't there. I do think that we as fans need to be prepared to, to understand that the dolphins, whatever happens in this, whatever the outcome, even if the dolphins are completely clean on this, that Miami will lose a PR war because people have already made their minds up because that's ultimately the society that we live in. And whether that's social media, whether that's newspapers, whether that's talking heads on a, you know, whether that's a Chris Sims or a Chris Canty or all those kind of people, Miami will not come out of this well, regardless of what happened. And the truth probably lies somewhere in between, but I don't think the Dolphins are going to, have a very comfortable few weeks once the NFL finishes its report. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And this reminds me of something completely different circumstance, but uh, Chris can, can speak on this as well. This reminds me of when the Miami Heat signed LeBron James and Chris Bosh. And that entire run-up to that season, the national media was unreasonably angry at a team using free agency to quote unquote game the system. And they just, they just completely turned. And you remember this, Chris, like every, every story was negative, uh, including uh, Jason Whitlock, who wrote another piece of crap article today on, on Tua called him glass Joe, by the way. And then uh, including Jason Whitlock, who five days, five days into that, that marriage between Chris Bosh, the Miami Heat, Dwayne Wade, and LeBron James said that they needed to trade Chris Bosh because he was a beta male. <laughs> okay. And then wrote another article about Dwayne Wade and LeBron James not having fathers. And that's why they decided to team up. The unreasonableness, the loudness, the the noise, and quite frankly, the amount of bullshit. I don't know. I've ever seen it since, but I see it now. And the only thing in common that these two have is that they're both Miami teams. And I go right back to where that is. It's it's where these centers of media are located. And they just enjoy taking a big giant dump on Miami sports every chance that they get. Chris, what are your thoughts on, on how it compares in that regard? Because it seems eerily similar. Well, in some respects, you have to you have to respect the fact that the Dolphins have put a bullseye on themselves. Right. I, I mean, this, this this is a team that only just months ago got uh, 
a first round pick taken away from them yeah. for egregious tampering. And, and so I think that um, this is a team that, you know, home of bully gate and, you know, and, and all the things that have happened that are, that are quite ridiculous. I, some of the people in the only are like, you know, I, I remember when Chris got on the air and was like, you know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be weird for us to just have a normal one out there? You know, like, and, and we can't, we can't, we're not, we're not allowed to. Um, and so I think that there's some self-inflicted stuff here. Uh, they're self I'm not speaking about specifically about this case. Um, so yeah, there's a bullseye in the dolphins. Um, I think that Dan Lebetard wrote a, uh, a column, um, today. I, I'm not sure if it was just today or what, but it was, it was great in as much as, um, I brought up, I think the point that needs to be brought up, which is that, you know, it's, it's basically anything to take your eyes off of, off of the ball. You know, take your eyes off of the game of football itself and um, and confront the realities of the game of football and the confront the realities of our of our, you know, being cheerleaders for a sport that could literally kill a person at any time. Um, you know, any anything that we can do to do that. So what, what are we going to do? We're going to we're going to scapegoat. We're going to find we're going to find it's this guy. It's the uh, the the independent you know, it's the independent neuro trauma guy. Uh, it's the Dolphins trainers. It's the head coach, Mike McDaniel. Uh, it's the, it's Tua himself for being injury prone. It's, uh, it's, it's everything that isn't the game of football, you know? And, um, and I think that that's, that's what you're seeing. I don't love the rush to find, you know, the witch hunt, essentially the rush to, to blame, Eric Spolster called that out too. You know, he, when he was talking about it, he said, there's immediately, there's this, there's this rush by everybody to figure out who to blame because we have to blame somebody. And, um, and that's, that's, I think what we're seeing, what we're seeing out there is the rush to blame uh, because blame is juicy. Blame gets, gets clicks, blame gets, uh, you know, listens and views and, and all of that. And, um, and so, and, and, but Simon on, on the other hand is, is absolutely correct. We don't know what happened. Nobody does, unless you were there, you know, what happened behind the scenes there. You don't know what happened. They administered the, um, the, the terribly named scat test. Um, (laughs) we, you, you don't know, you you really don't, none of us, none of us do. And, and I want to clear, and I think that everybody on speaking we're always a player against the uh against the uh the big bad nfl you know when it comes to contractual stuff um when it comes to you know player safety and stuff like that uh generally we are going to be with the players on this i just think in in this case people are are rushing to judgment and as simon says you know the damage is already done because people are already already have their takes and they're not going to change them no matter what comes down the pipe um you know and and it's just uh it's just unfortunate i think that uh the damage is already done uh and they're doing and people have judged it based on like you know the five second clip from the bills game and and what their own individual interpretation of that is um you know everybody has very uh authoritative very certain uh, conclusions based on that clip, you know, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter, 
you know, um, what anybody else's experiences are. It's, you know, they seem very certain about it. They see it through their own, their own lens. And, um, and so I, I think that overall, I wish that there wouldn't be that sort of rush to judgment and that we would, you know, we would allow, you know, that the investigation to come out. Um, but I do think that the signs do point. I mean, if I'm reading tea leaves, I think it's going to actually come out okay for Miami. Although this is going to be a weird and messy proceeding, you know, in as much as that, that UNC guy got fired by the NFLPA um, for reasons that to me smell like bullshit. That's just me speaking. Um, I think that this is that that's almost like textbook firing a guy when, you know, you don't have a real reason to fire him um, is, is to say, oh, well, he, you know, he doesn't understand his role or uh and he was hostile he was he was hostile to the investigation or something you know when the nflpa came in pretty hot pretty red hot too uh into the investigation and you could tell that because the president of the nflpa jc treader wrote a big letter uh in which he had already drawn his conclusions regardless of any of the findings of the investigation he'd already drawn his conclusions and and said you know, said what, what they thought, what their position was. And so you could see the NFL PA coming into that investigation a little hot. And so, yeah, a guy like that might be a little bit defensive at some point when, when they're clearly out to get them and then bam, okay, you're defensive. You, now you're hostile to the event. I mean, it's just a BS proceeding um, to me uh, to, to fire a guy like that. And I think it is going to get messy. It reminds me of when Kevin O'Neill got, uh, got fired by the dolphins as a result of the Ted Wells investigation and, and all that and how Kevin O'Neill ended up suing. And I think he ended up with a nice payday. Um, I think that uh, this guy is going to have a lawsuit and it's unclear whether he's going to be, you know, he's going to, whether he's going to put the dolphins out there or whether he's going to side with the dolphins trainers or what Um, there's going to be a little bit of messiness, but overall I'm reading the tea leaves about how confident Mike McDaniel seems about this you know and and how he keeps reiterating you know what exactly they did and and why and and he's coming up with very good explanations and very good rational points about you know why why it can't necessarily be what a lot of people are saying it is and um and he seems very confident but at the same time the nfl pa they're they're kind of they're kind of switching their positions a little bit they're kind of changing it to, well, you know, if he did have a lower back injury against the Bills game, um, his gross motor motor instability uh, should be considered a no-go uh, symptom, even if it was back-related as opposed to being, you know, uh, head-related and concussion-related. Um, that's That seems to be how they're changing their stance, which to me is like an acknowledgement that they're never going to – they're never going to be able to demonstrate – that Tua Tua had a concussion in that game. I don't think anybody's going going to be able to do that. One of the most um, frustrating things in the game for me is that you go back to that play, that specific play, mm-hmm. and he has two players running wide open, especially Jalen Waddle, and he looks at him and he goes to throw it, and he I don't know whether the reason why he doesn't throw it, but you just think you know he hits that throw. It's not an easy throw to make, but it's a you know it's a throw an NFL quarterback should make. And you just mm-hmm. think you make that throw, and we're not even having this conversation, are we? We're just like 
that was a frustrating thing in a way. You know, he had Ingold. The Bengals, you mean? The Bengals. Yeah, team, against right? the Bengals. You yeah, had Ingold yeah, yeah, open yeah. in the flat. Mm-hmm. Because actually, if nothing happens and he, you know, he wins the game, let's let's say he wins the game on Thursday on Thursday night, right? That there is no conversation about hitting his head, hurting his back, whatever happened on Sunday. You're right. right? That, that conversation is null and void mm-hmm. at this point. It's only happened because of what happened on the Sunday. The fact mm-hmm. that you know, and because we don't know the facts, there could have been a second impact syndrome that that that, that could be fatal. I mean, it it could have been fatal if he'd had a concussion on the Sunday. He gets another one four days later. That could have been, yeah. The percentages of second injury uh, second injury syndrome that cause death are extremely high. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the frustrating thing for me was that he didn't have to. He didn't have to be in the pocket for six seconds before he got sacked. You know, there were throws available to him. He has Tyreek on this, essentially a scissors concept. He has Tyreek open left side, but he has Jalen who who runs across the formation and then curls back into the sort of the safety area. But the safety has got his hips all over the place and a good targeted throw, you know, would be it would have been a massive chunk play and, and what may have scored and he had a lot to throw to if he wanted to uh, my, yeah. my my theory is that he didn't see it that he couldn't see it there was so much no, he to does the right. see it. he looks i mean I'm, li- I'm literally looking at it right now on all 22 he see he's watching waddle and he goes to throw to him and he doesn't throw he just pulls it back in and you just think i, I don't understand why you've done that there's the you know well, he, the, he the tried to click he tried to click to his outlet into his final his final read and when Which he clicked was Ingold, was, yeah yeah and when he clicked over there that's when he saw that big boy uh tupo coming right yeah. at him and he goes into the mode that you know we see with him where he where he i'm gonna juke this guy you know i'm gonna juke this yeah. guy i'm gonna make him and he has to or... stop doing that for fuck's sake please stop <laughs> yeah he definitely uh, he definitely has he definitely sees him he definitely has him absolutely wide open and he looks straight down the barrel at him and doesn't pull the trigger I mean, again, I'm looking at the play right now, and he has him. He has him there, and he just doesn't, just doesn't make the throw. Now, one thing about that, Simon, think about it. If you think about it, is if he did have the concussion in you know the Bills game, and let's say the Dolphins fudged this, you know, like they, they, um, whatever you want to say about uh, about them. Let's say he did have the concussion, and one way or another, the Dolphins not only rushed him back into that game. But um, but doing so, you know, they they did so because not being in the per- concussion protocol, the the official protocol during this shortened week meant that he could probably play on Thursday. You brought that up before. I think it's a good point. Um, let's say all that happened and he did. He was having after effects. Would it be so, so surprising that a guy that was just freshly concussed, you know, four days prior um is is not necessarily making the best decisions out there you know yeah. or is not is, is a little slow or on or something like it wouldn't be surprising right yeah, um so but and that's the sort of the catch 22 because um you go back and watch the second half of that bills game and he played well you know he played well in the second half of that bills game and this is a quarterback, right? This is not an offensive lineman. I heard Andrew Whitworth talking about, you know, how he faked out of like he was going to go back out there after a concussion. He faked his test and managed to, to you know, uh, fool them and, and stuff like that. This isn't an offensive lineman. OK, this is a quarterback. This is this is a, a high level information processing position. 
uh, every play he's got to, he's got to get these 15 word play calls out as Mike, Mike McDaniel brought up, I believe 15 word play calls out to the, to the rest of the, the huddle. And then you've got the, uh, the derivation, various, uh, inversions that can happen. The check with me is at the line, the audibles, stuff like that to, to actually run this offense and this offense in particular, um, you know, it is not easy uh, from an information processing standpoint. And I don't see how you can sleepwalk through that. And so I, I think that like the fact that he played well in that second half um, and the fact that he, you know, he was able to execute because I heard Zach Thomas talk about, he, he's talked about, he played with concussion before he said, it was like going from uh, he was like going from um, from high definition to like, you know, standard definition or, or, or from color to black and white. You know, that's what it, that's what it felt like out there. And I don't think you can do that at the quarterback position. I don't think you can execute this offense and, and do it well for a half of football against a, a quality defense like the Buffalo Bills on autopilot. And so we're in this like catch 22 where we have to face the reality that um, that he he got this concussion because he made a mistake. And it's the kind of mistake that we see him make. You know, consistently which is that, that he, you know, he missed a read for whatever reason, didn't want to, didn't want to throw it. And then uh, tr- tried to play hero. And he's done that since Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, he's tried, he's, he's tried to hang on to plays that, that his coaches wished he'd give up on. And he got, he got his, uh, his hip broken for doing that. Um and then in the NFL, he's, you know, he's still doing it. He's still trying to, he's still, and, and you, you admire the, the competitive spirit that he has that way. But at the same time, he has to stop or he is not going to have the career that he could have. And, mm-hmm. um, and this is latest, latest data point on exactly that. You know, I'm not going to say his body is like inherently fragile, or something like that. You know, I don't think we're there yet, or I'm personally not there yet, but I do think his playing style has something to do with this. And, um, and so that's, that's, I think where, where we're, where I would be going with this is the concern. Yeah. There is such a thing as evading the rush, making a play like that's football, like that's part of the game. And that's something that you should try to do stepping up into the pocket, sidestepping the pocket. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a beautiful play in that game where, where he escaped basically two two sacks, and nobody blocked anybody on that one play. Uh, Greg Little got blown up. Um, Robert, uh, you know, he uh, Robert Hunt got basically uh, uh, he got turned around, and Teddy Bridgewater just you know sidestepped one guy and then stepped up past another and delivered a football for a first down, and you know that's just football. But what he's what he was doing there. And what he did against uh, against uh, I believe it was Mississippi State where he where he hurt his hip, right? Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, and what he did against LSU in the showdown of the century, and I do believe that was a showdown of the century, and and uh, I think it's been proven out that it was since there's there's. By the way, Simon, uh, let me see if you have this number right. Take a guess how many players you remember that game forty six forty one Joe Burrow defeats Tua Tagovailoa. It was number 55. one versus number two. 55. How many players are in the NFL right now? 55. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> 55 of those players are in the NFL. Mental. That 55 is players from that game I mean, are you in think the NFL. That is, I, have, I have never heard of such a thing. No, but you think he was on that field, right? So for Alabama offensively, they had Judy, Smith, Waddle, 
Tua, Najee Harris, Henry Ruggs, um, Jared uh, Wills, the left tackle of the Browns, yeah, yeah. Uh, Landon Dickerson, Evan Neal's playing right tackle, Leatherwood, um, and then for the defensively, they had Pat Satan, Trayvon Diggs. And the running backs. Uh, Remember, three NFL running backs were on that yeah, team. Yeah, Barmore. Um, who else was playing? And then for the for the for the safety, for the Tigers, McKinney. McKinney was playing. McKinney, yeah, for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Burrow, Edwards Hilaire, Jefferson, Chase, and Thaddeus <laughs> Moss was tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just Flat an Edwards Hilaire. Stingley, um, Patrick Queen. I mean, there was just some serious time. I mean, it's insane. Delpit, Greedy Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was insane. It was insane. But you remember in that game, early on in that game, two started running around inexplicably. And out of nowhere, uh, he just drops the ball. Remember at the five yard line, LSU picks it up and they have momentum. Uh, that's not football. Stay on schedule. If Tua stays on schedule, he's good enough. He's really good. He's proven to be really, really good. Every time he decides to just put himself off of schedule for whatever reason, he could get hurt. And negative plays happen like that one, you know, which ended up being both. It was a negative play and he got hurt. So I don't think we want to, you want to contribute anything else, Simon, or I think we could call Not it right on this here. Because I just think like we've, we've discussed, you know, until the pure facts come out, we're just, we're just pissing in the wind, frankly. Mm-hmm. All right. Intelligently, but we're still pissing in the wind. Yes. On Thursday, we're going to talk about Teddy. Uh, very quickly. You got confidence in Teddy. Get us a win here against the Jets, Simon. Uh, you're breaking up, Alf. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it'll be a tough game against the Jets. I really do. I think it. I don't think it'll be an easy game at all. Okay. Well, we're gonna get to talk about it on Thursday. I think. I think there was enough good stuff there. Remember this guy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. How many reps did he get in that short week? I think that guy got off the bus, put on a helmet. And ran out onto the field to throw passes to people. And if he did just that, I think with 10 days to prepare, Mike McDaniel will have him produce his best game, let's say. And I go back to that Teddy with, with a, a very talented Saints team, 5-0. and oh, You know, let's get that Teddy back. Just be efficient. Stay out of the way and let's get a run game. We'll talk about all of that on Thursday as we talk Dolphins, Jets. But till then... Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.